Hello, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to the Left of Greg podcast. I am Brian Marin, the host and creator of the show. As always, I will be joined by human behavior expert, Mr. Greg Williams, who the show is affectionately named after. Here on the Left of Greg show, our goal is to increase your advanced critical thinking ability through a better understanding of what we call human behavior, pattern recognition, and analysis. If you'd like to find out more about what that is, you can check out our website at arcadiacognorati.com or by following us on Facebook at HBPRA. Please help support the show by checking out our Patreon site where for just a few dollars you can have access to all kinds of episode extras, videos, and short tutorials that are updated weekly. Just click the link in the episode details that says support the show and we'll take you directly to that site. If you have any questions or would like us to cover a specific topic, please reach out to us at leftofgreg at gmail.com. On today's episode, Greg and I are talking about urban legends and why our brain chemistry is so enamored with them. We give a few examples of stories that have stood the test of time, even though they were either partially or completely made up. We talk about a number of factors that contribute to our belief in these common myths, including things like groupthink, confirmation bias, and cognitive dissonance. We also give some basic methods that you can use to help you determine whether the story you're hearing is logical or if it's just something that you want to be true. Please don't forget to follow us on social media. You can find the links in the episode details. And if you enjoy the podcast, please tell your friends about it. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy the show. So let me know. It's on, baby. Live. You're live. All right, so we're going live. So let's just go ahead and jump in today's episode. For those of you listening, thanks for tuning in. Uh, like we usually say, follow me on Facebook, and you can hop in when we're going live. But Today, we're kind of, uh, well, we're discussing urban legends and yeah. our brain chemistry and what that means. And it was kind of inspired by a couple things. So one, we recently had a conversation, um, if, if anyone listening has heard the, the podcast with uh, Chris Ingledew from uh, across the pond in the UK there. Um, and he talked about color vision and where these color vision tests came from and a whole bunch of different things. But he traced some of this back to a train accident in like the 1800s, where um, posthumously they this, the investigators decided that the train conductor who ran some warning lights and didn't slow down and stop in time did that because he was um, uh, he was actually colorblind. Now they had no way of of knowing this, verifying this, or finding this out. There was no there's no autopsy measure in the 1800s that determined you were colorblind after the fact. But that's where it came from, and so it kind of go into go ahead and go, yeah. go one step deeper into that, Brian. There was no document whatsoever stating that that may have been a, a likely conclusion. There was no autopsy protocol. There was no yeah. document that the guy wrote going. I'll be damned. I can't see these colors. It was all, it was all made up and, yeah. and no, so, no fact. So, so other than the crash. Yeah. So that then you fast forward a couple hundred years and now it affected Chris and his job and getting a passing a vision test to be part of this unit and in, in on the police force. So you're like, yes, sometimes this is where these things come from. Um, which is a good point to remember when what we're talking about today and where these things actually come from and how stories grow and how it changes over time. Cause we're talking about some urban legends and different tech. So, so that specific train one, uh, kind of remind me of the, the email that you had sent me not long ago about some, some show about the siege and Kentucky farm and this other thing about a conductor who haunts these forests. And, yep. and there's, there's a bunch of different examples that we can get into, but, but, you know, a lot of these things called end up becoming what we call 
urban legends or, you know, there's a, there's a story of something that happened and, and those stories get passed down to different generations and shared. And then it starts to become fact well, or what people think is fact. And then it takes someone to go back and investigate it and go, wait, wait, what, take a look at what's going on here. This actually started with a case way back here. And then it changed and the story became this. Yep. And then that story lives on forever. And that happens with everything that happens with uh, uh, quotes are a big one. When misattributed quotes to people or, or, or the meaning of something someone says gets changes over time. There's a great book on that called Hemingway didn't say that if anyone's exactly. interested, but he, this guy, the guy who wrote that, I forget his name actually goes into almost like ridiculous detail and showing how these things morph and change over time. It's an incredibly well-researched book, but it gets into, we're going to kind of talk about it too, is why these things happen and what our, how our brain chemistry works in that. So, so Greg, I'll, I'll kind of throw to you, kind of kick us off on, on, sure. on put some, put four corners on the document here about, about what we're going to be discussing. So I would say if we were 600 years ago, uh, you and I would call these fairy tales and these fables would have a, uh, a, a tumultuous point where after that, we learn a lesson and they say, okay, so here's the lesson of this fable. And then everybody that was anywhere near that would go back 600 years ago and go, oh my God, I remember that guy. Oh yeah. Hamlin, that village is right down the road or the, you know, boy, the cried wolf. That was Johnny Ray's son. The problem is none of that crap is true. It's invented in somebody's writings or somebody's dreams or a theory or a script for a movie and it's real enough and then the story becomes the reality and and so i think brian the question would be why does our brain chemistry yeah. tend to choose the hoax the fake the joke yeah, the so fable that, that that's the overall thing is why sure. do we why do we uh, uh glam onto fiction rather than facts why do we want that story why does it because because we're wired that way it's it's it happens so much it's not this is some one-off thing or when people get on like oh it's just really you know, dumb, uneducated people who think this stuff. No, no, sorry. Sorry. Yep. <laughs> I don't think so. This yep. affects everyone. Um, sure so, so why is it? And, and that's kind of what I want to so at least a, get into. The, the first part of it, before we even d dive into some of the stupidity is yeah. that your brain's chemistry loves a great story. And if you could hook yourself up to the fMRI hood, you would know immediately uh, uh, the parts of the brain, the bronchi, the, the, the ganglia that are just jumping out and dancing when you hear that. Okay. So if we couple that with the uh, dopamine and cortisol that come along with a good story, your brain craves that like driving by and seeing a big billboard on the side of the road with a mouthwatering meal that triggers your brain's chemistry mm -hmm. and you get excited about that. Well, that starts with the story. And then the other thing is we have confirmation bias. Now those three things alone, confirmation bias will actively seek out those types of stories that, that side with the opinion that we made up in our own mind to, to be able to sleep at night. Right. So yeah. what happens is that creates the perfect storm of brain chemistry that says, wow, this is feel good. And I bring out the popcorn and I start eating the popcorn. And when I hear somebody else tell the story, guess what, Brian, that brain, brain chemistry pops again. So I get a, I get a benefit. I get a reward each time somebody tells that story or I see a piece of that story, even remotely on television. Yeah, no, and th this goes into, I uh, uh, want to bring up a couple specific examples. And the one you sure. brought up, because it, it goes to the train one that, that kind of Chris was talking about, which I, so I want to hit that before I, I get into yeah. other ones I want to discuss. So tell us the one about the train conductor haunting the forest or something that yeah. you saw recently, and because it's a yeah, great yeah. example. 
and remember, everything is linked to something else. And I'll give you an example of, yeah. of that. So, so let's go back to the East Coast where these people say, hey, listen, we're seeing these mysterious lights in the woods. And so the investigation goes and says what it is. Now, remember, this is the reality, not that it could be something else. The reality is it's the ghost of a conductor on a train that forgot to light his lantern and was hit by a train. So forever, in perpetuity, he's walking <laughs> through the woods with this lantern, this ghost, and randomly people see him. So no other train conductor has reported it, which means it's kind of a shitty ghost. Uh, but random people over time have reported it. And so they bring in a guy, and the guy's a doctor, and the guy looks at the situation. He goes, yeah, you see that road through the trees when anything from a carriage to a motor vehicle comes through with their lights on, uh, it reflects and reflects refracts and reflects through the fog and the trees and you see the lights and that's what it is and it would appear to be moving too because it is certainly and swinging back and forth right (laughs) so the people rather believed in the ghost they said there's more evidence to prove that it was this ghost of this conductor that got hit by the train than the science in the distance and brian you'll remember like a year or two ago we were in a rental sled and we were talking about the lights coming off of chicago and how sometimes in holland michigan you could yeah. see those lights and the people were reporting oh my god look at the you know look at this uh, storm coming in or it's ufos or something and all it was is the lake effect light because of the curve of the earth so they were willing brian to put all their eggs in the basket of the ghost you know, because he got hit by the train, although nobody can confirm that report rather than science, which it was lights coming through the damn tree. Well, well, part of that is, you know, we talk about explanatory storylines all the time on here is that we, you know, we're brain making order out of chaos. It has to be this. Someone tells a sensational story that sounds good. And then yeah. now we can attribute it to that. And it's oftentimes once we've bought into a belief Once we've bought into an explanation, it's very, very, very difficult for us to go back and change that. I mean, just busy, like psychologically, right? It is difficult sociologically for us to go back and say, oh, damn, you know, Bill was wrong about that story. And it's actually something much simpler. So it is difficult to do that. I don't care what what that story is. Um, But the other thing about the whole explanatory storyline, explanatory storylines, Greg, is that you know, most people, we, we want an answer to, we want an explanation for something. Yes. So if something isn't readily available, we'll, we will make it up or we'll attribute it. You know, like I always get all these, this happens with, with everything that's going on daily conversations with, with my wife, where she's like, oh, well, talking about maybe one of her friends or a situation or something she saw or this, she's like, well, I think it's probably this. And I was like, oh, well, I don't know. She'll run it past me like to get my opinion. I'll go, well, I don't know. And then that she's like, Yo, well. we'll go on. <laughs> it does not sit well. I go, well, here's what you do know. Right. That person said this and behaved this way. So there's a number of reasons why, but I don't know what those are. That could be personal. That could be professional. That could be financial. They could have something going on in their life that you have no idea about. But but I, I don't really have enough to go on here. She's like, well, no, isn't it obvious that it's this? And I'm like, no, no babe, like, I don't know. And and, and but, but virtually nothing's obvious. Exactly. But but, but, but be yep. claiming that ignorance is, is, is tough because we all do want an answer. We want to know why. So I think yep. it's important to highlight that. And, and anyone can fall into that trap of, well, hey, that's a pretty good story. Or that's the only evidence I have right now for something, for an explanation. So let's go with that. And it's like, well, uh, okay. So that's that's just general broad terms. But you know, you talk about the the lantern in the woods of the person haunting. So you know, sometimes there is it, there is some nugget of truth, or it started somewhere where something actually occurred and then grows. And and one of the great examples throughout, you know, for for decades is the mm-hmm. uh, you know when when they talk about the 
the high school kids who were murdered, they were making out or having yep. sex in the car at this certain area of the woods Lover's point, Lover's right? point or yeah. make out lane or yeah, overlooking yeah. whatever. And then, you know, a place they were... Brian never went <laughs> little bearded Brian. Brian had a full beard in high school and the women <laughs> yeah. were afraid of what might be in that no, beard. Folks. No one, no one the beard to, might be grabby. No one wants to make out with you on the railroad tracks after drinking exactly. a 30 pack of bush light, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, no, but so, listen, you know, but the, the, the point yep. is on that specific story is that there there, you know, was some incident somewhere in where that occurred, where someone was, you know, murdered in that situation. And therefore, that story grew and the urban legend grew. But it's also used, you know, those stories are taken advantage of by people in those communities or yep. towns or those parents to tell their kids, hey, Look what happened to Billy and Susie exactly. when they were out there. The moral of the story. But, but, but the idea was they're sitting there. They don't want their kids, you know, they don't want their daughter and son, you know, uh, having children in at, at 16 or getting pregnant when they're in high school. So and bringing yet hey, another man, STD into the house. Yeah, Aaron, that's Aaron another house. one. That's, yeah, another but that's, one. That's, a, that's a good way to use those stories to your advantage. Yeah. And yeah, that's so where it starts to grow, I think. Well, well before, before I use logic to tear up the lantern story, I want to go back to something you said that was priceless. And folks, if you're watching us or listening to us, one of the things that we pride ourselves on is blinding you with science. And so our standard is always psychological, sociological, physiological. And Brian, you were talking about that and you said, well, the psychological effects. Well, okay. So psychologically, uh, confirmation bias is a strong lure sociologically group think yeah. is even stronger so now if somebody especially one of your esteemed colleagues or a friend or a neighbor or in this instance your parents tell you it's true mm -hmm. do you get what i'm trying to say i'm not going to blow it for everybody about uh santa claus and the easter bunny but uh, i would look that up wait, if your wait, kids are watching wait, what, don't don't what, say that brian wait and then Greg, physiologically what, are you no, telling no, me are you we're, we're gonna have to break don't... At the break, we Greg. need to go in the closet there, Uncle Paul. I got to tell you something. And then physiologically, Brian, physiologically is the brain's chemistry. The brain's okay. chemistry backs up stuff because we want to repeat behaviors. So and we don't have a lot of time to go through a file folder. So the chemistry brings up those behaviors. So quickly. what do you, what do you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, just elaborate real quick. Like, yeah. What do you mean by like when you say the brain's chemistry wants us to do that? What, what is the okay. reasons for it? What so do you mean by that chemist, chemistry? We would rather be happy than depressed. We would rather right. have a full belly than an empty stomach. We would rather be making love than searching for somebody to make love with. So the brain has a system of rewards, and those are through electrochemical neurochemistry that, that comes into your brain. And what happens is you get uh, uh, you know, catecholamines or dopamines or epinephrine. You get certain reward drugs that make you feel euphoric. And anytime that you're just walking around at homeostasis with no drugs, what do you think you want? You want those drugs. Yeah. So to keep you away from. I'm well aware of that feeling. Yeah, 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 you are. <laughs> you, you, to keep you away from rotting flesh, especially when we talk about the STDs on Lover's Point, Lover's Knob, whatever it was called in your neighborhood. So the idea in Chicago, <laughs> the idea is that when you look at that, Brian, the, the danger uh, warning Will Robinson chemistry is there too. So when you get scared, you don't want to get scared again. Right. So walking up to the door where you got scared, you're going to start getting the wet palms and you're going to start yeah. getting episodic cortisol and uh, my saliva goes away and your brain is going to go, wait a minute. We know that. Holy shit. That's fear. There's something behind this door. Do you get what I'm trying to say? So these drugs try to amp us up physiologically to prepare us 
for likely situations of fight, flight, free, uh, flee rather, or uh, fornicate, feed. You, you see, so yeah. all of them are present all the time. And, and that's a vast oversimplification, folks. But come to the course, you'll learn more or do your damn homework because it's on there. So if we just do the standard psychological, sociological, physiological, right, then we apply it to the baseline logic. So your uh, uh, original admonition about the the red and blue or the red and green colorblind guy that caused a train yeah. crash where there's no evidence whatsoever except for posthumous evidence, which is easy because you have no witnesses. Now let's go to my lantern case. The people that reported seeing the lantern were never a railroad guy, even though there was a railroad in the area right. and modern railroads and all the way back to the very first rail lines had lights. Get it? So, so the idea was if this guy, his ghost came back, just to warn conductors to light your lantern, he's done a crappy job because it's <laughs> not appealing to ghosts. And why would it be limited to Dicksville Notch, this little town? Do you get what I'm saying in Northern Macedonia? Why wouldn't it be in every uh, uh, place that's got a train station? You get what I'm saying? So logic alone would tell you it's unlikely. Can I throw another logic puzzle hey. at you? Sure. Throw, throw, oh. throw, put another loop in that Gordian knot there. Yes. Shall we? <laughs> shall we? Wait a minute. Hey, we've got a whole episode on that son of a gun. Yeah, we're going we to have to talk that. about that and yeah. Occam's razor because yeah. I, I swear that's one that we just need to sit down and deconstruct. Yeah, we, we do. So I'm watching these uh, folks. I do a lot of type and we do a lot of Zoom calls, all that stuff. I have to be active all the time. I'm like a cat with a ball of yarn. If there's not something going on in the house, I'll turn the damn blender on just for the noise. <laughs> so the TV's in the back, got going and everything. And the only shows that are on during the day when you're home are game shows, which, you know, when, yeah. when they ask, uh, what color is blue, you get bored with that, uh, you know. And then the other one is these ghost shows, right? And so all of a sudden, this guy, and this is this year or last year, uh, is off the coast of North Carolina on a vehicle ferry. And he's got his shoe phone out and he sees lights off in the distance and right. he can't account for the lights. Now, what they are, folks, just to give you the end of the story first, it's North Carolina. There's plenty of naval stuff going on. And this is a mission where they're doing some sort of marine mission off coast and they're using aerial flares. And an aerial flare is the brightest thing you've there. ever seen. Yeah. And it hangs, baby. And it hangs. And then when it burns out, they've already got it planned. So the next one will open up virtually at the same spot and hang. Why? Because you want consistent light on the battle so you can see everything that's going on. So that's clearly what it is. They go from this guy with the shoe phone. And the first thing he goes, there's no explanation for that. Okay, that puts it in your mind that there is no explanation. It's inexplicable. His wife, who's also filming, goes, you better ask the captain. Ask somebody. Now, she's got a sense of urgency in her voice. I'm getting amped up. You at home right now because we're amped up. You're getting amped up on it. And she starts going, does anybody know what that is? Again, it's inexplicable. So now while they're looking at it, they switch very quickly because it's a television show and they've got an expert in cryptozoology. So yeah. I'm an expert in the history of an animal that, that never does. existed. Okay. <laughs> so write that down. Cause I want to be a doctor in that shit. Right. I and mean, so the doctor immediately, Brian looks and goes, it's almost as if this alien presence is watching the people on the ship. It's almost plausible. If you buy into the fact that they are alien and they are intellectual but they're not. So Brian, all it has to be to become an urban legend is close enough and cognitively close enough. It was, and everybody on that gosh damn ship was taking pictures now with their phones, swearing that those lights were moving to watch them because their ferry was the most important ship on the ocean. Apparently. No. And, and that gets into it. I mean, you, you talked about, you know, uh, 
confirmation bias and yeah. you know groupthink and yeah. all these things that happen. But the other thing is how we talk about just our own our own personal ego. Every human thinks you know we all think we're we're, we're at some level of importance and that you know we really matter, <laughs> right. right? But right. that does play into it, right? And it sure. plays into it because then it kind of validates. Well, well, of course they would reach out to me. Of course I would yep. be you know wow, like look how important or special I am. And and I don't mean that that's that's why. That's why scams work, right? That's why yes. the uh, uh, I, I saw a funny meme like about some of the, you know, someone getting these weird email schemes or scams or something. It's like, you know, they maybe they're just reaching too far. Instead of asking me for my social security number because they have millions of dollars, like if they just said, "Hey, we have this free pizza. Give us your social," I probably would do it. You know what I mean? That's like, funny. But the, yeah. but the, the idea is, is that's what it. That's another thing that it plays into besides the group thinking, confirmation bias, and all those things. It's our own little ecosystem. We're like, well, yeah. Why wouldn't? Why wouldn't they? You know. I wouldn't uh, a, a, some alien life form from a inner, some other galaxy come down and, 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 you know, they want to get to know me. It's yeah. like, well, who the hell are you? <laughs> so. Exactly. But listen, folks, every one of you listening to this <clears throat> little snowflake, that's not what Brian means. He's not diminishing your worth, but yeah. what he's saying is for this earth shattering thing to occur right in front of you, witnessed by all these other people and having their phones out, it would have historical perspective and it just doesn't. And, and I don't know if you remember when uh, uh, we were in North Carolina and I misplaced my credit card and you kept asking Shelly why she didn't report it stolen. And, and she said, that's because the people that stole it were spending less per month than Greg was. So she didn't want to waste all that extra money. But, you know, North Kakalaki, uh, Florida, around the air bases, Penn. Uh, Brian, I was on Penn during the filming of Tropic Thunder and then later uh, uh, the filming of Battle Los Angeles. Uh, during both of those films, uh, Tropic Thunder, they were firing uh, 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 flares out of the helos, and they were firing those, uh, what is that, that chaff round? You know what I'm saying? The the, the glitter yeah. round that goes yeah, yeah, that, out of that yeah. shit. And uh, uh, Battle Los Angeles, they were doing offshore uh, uh, hits with the flares and all this other stuff. And both of those times, even up in Monterey, when we were training in Monterey, uh, uh, the folks uh, onshore uh, wrote in the local paper, UFO attack off the coast, strange lights in the sky, when all it would have been is one phone call. Do you get what I'm saying? To confirm the fact that yeah. these units were training. But but what does the TV say? It's an offshore underwater UFO base. And the reason that the military was out there is to fight off the UFOs. You see, well, there's always a conclusion. Well, right. And, and, the, and this gets into, I, you know, I want to kind of double back on what, what we talk about a lot. <clears throat> Excuse me, a little cough going this morning. Um, it started when you started talking about that lover's lane, buddy. It got me real nervous thinking I think it's it, just it, brought back I childhood. Did, I did bad things. You've got a devil on this shoulder, Brian, and you got a devil on this shoulder. That's the Marin <laughs> yeah, I, was, I was the one in the bushes looking. At, <laughs> what are they doing? What, what are they doing in there? What are exactly. they doing in there? But you had um, to learn, Brian. So there's nothing wrong. Someone had to teach me. So uh, <laughs> it was that was not a doctor. I found out later. Yeah. Um, so you brought, talked about uh, the psychological, sociological, and physiological. Yeah. So you know we use those buckets, or, or you know, it, all the or, time. Or categories uh, as a as almost like a top layer to throw on this thing. All right, let's break it down in these three different metrics, right? Using these because all the science and research is there behind them. You can yes. there's there's I, there's unlimited amounts of information uh, uh, collected on those three areas that you can validate that have been shown throughout time. These are the principles that these stand on, right? And I think that's a good way too to look at all of these, right? And and, yes. and you know you're looking at a story, so. A story. I don't care if it's a news story or your friend telling you a story or something that you're seeing, witnessing. 
I like to use those three psychological, sociological, physiological to help me kind of make clarified like the, the initial lenses, right? So can I can I use that for anything, right? Meaning when I hear one of these or read one of these or hear someone talking and I say, and I'm buying into it, right? I'm like, holy yes. crap, this is an incredible story. I can say, well, psychologically, why do I think let's let's just start there? Am I am I buying into something? Well, physiologically, man, I'm getting real excited about this. Yeah. My heart rate's up. I'm getting those catecholamines are kicking. Okay, so it's really starting to play to my emotion here. Yeah. Right. And then sociologically, well, all my friends think it's true. Uh, everyone else is is saying this happened. And I think when you see those start to coalesce and come together, you go, that's a good point to go, okay, hang on, wait a minute. Let's stop right here. And I'm starting to pick up, I'm starting to feel or see all these factors in all these different areas. Tonight, can I then go, all right, stop. How do I take a step back for a second and and kind of determine some of the some of the likelihood of yeah. these stories? I mean, did they really yeah. so, happen? So you can spend, by the way, another brilliant stroke of genius for Brian, even though he's feeling a little uh, uh, back behind the power curve on that uh, talk about lover's lane. You'll, you'll get better, Brian. You'll learn more as you get older. I'm learning. You're married now. Look, you, you got a whole a vast field to, to play with. So uh, all of a sudden, uh, I would ask our listeners and viewers to just go to their local Walmart uh, uh, because you're going to see a crime there anyway. You can learn. It. Yeah. Or gas station. And so. buy uh, 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 for 50 cents, buy an ice cube tray. They're blue. Uh, everybody knows them. Sometimes they're white, but mostly they're blue. They're and they've got these little slots in them. You know, they're blue and white. And uh, so <laughs> what I want you to do, fucking my Walmart, pal. So I want you to go and I want you to carve the first three spaces on the left and put legal, moral, and ethical. Then tape them off, you know, so you've got the names in them. Uh, then the next one I want you to do is strategic, operational, tactical. Uh, then I want you to tape it off again, then put shoot, move, communicate. Then, you know, tape it off and put psychological, sociological, physiological. What happens is the greatest events that have ever happened in life are historical perspective or precedent. And so you can fit them into those things. And the more of those trays that you fill without forcing them, round peg, square hole, you're likely to be more right about it. So let me give you an issue that has nothing to do with the ghost in the machine here, okay? And there's a small town, and the small town has, let's say, a police or fire station uh, or library, not to be too specific so that people don't go poked in the eye. And what they're trying to do is build a new facility, Brian. So the guy that's a legacy that's been there forever has come up with these plans to not only have the facility on the ground floor, but above it, there's going to be apartments. And what's going to happen is the kids from the university that's close by this small notional town uh, will be able to rent those out. And they can also work uh, uh, in the business downstairs uh, as volunteers. So it makes sense for everybody. Psychologically, it makes sense for everybody because the legacy came up with the idea. He drew up the plans and he's pushing it harder th for everybody. Sociologically, the town hasn't had a chance to vote yet. Do you get what I'm trying to say? And so somebody might get their feelings hurt. And certainly the people that already work there aren't going to say anything, even though they would be disenfranchised because now the volunteers upstairs would answer calls that the people that have been there forever won't ever make it off of their job site to come in as volunteers. You get what I'm saying? They'll, they'll have this ready team of people. And guess what? Those kids are already getting breaks for their college scholarships and everything. Well, then let's go to the physiological you now have the chemistry that says, I'm getting screwed out of this. You got the chemistry that says, that sounds like a great idea. You have the chemistry that says, I've been here longer than all of you, and I know what the answer is. Now, logic would dictate, take a step back and look at all the small town agencies that have a library or police station or fire station that are gripped with the same problem, Brian, 
And I bet there's an answer out there. I bet other people have gone through the legal challenges. You get what I'm trying to say? Or they've gone through the, you know, hey, let's get everybody in town to vote, or let's just put a yellow pad up at the post office and vote randomly to see if there's even an urge to build a new station. But what happens, Brian, is those three things are so strong in your body that they now have created a situation, an event, uh, uh, an ongoing thing that you have to pull out of that tailspin or you're going to be pulled in one of those directions, pro, anti, I don't give a shit, just get out of my way so I can get in a post office. Those three buckets are the center of whatever you're about to do. And you should use them because there'll be a gating mechanism to simplify the problem. Am I too close to this issue psychologically? Do I need to take a step back? Sociologically, has somebody done this before? And could I ask them to help me make this tough decision? Physiologically, hey, listen, am I too tired uh, did I enter into this when I, uh, you know, had a couple of drinks in me and I wasn't thinking clearly? Do you see how each one of those buckets will contain the 360 of your argument and help you make a more informed decision? Yeah, and I, I think picking apart any story like that because the prop my my one of my biggest issues with these things that we call urban legends or yeah. you know how they stick around and these stories develop is like you you've had kind of like what you're talking about um the policies be to start to become policies and laws get yep. written based on junk stories or junk science or um so true shitty eyewitness testimony or yep. something you know and because and and because of all of those factors you just brought up of how we get bought into those things, I mean, you look at like I mean, there there's been uh, so many of these out there where they're kind of like it becomes debunked. You know, you get into um, God with crime stuff. You've got the oh, uh, crack is this horrible, super addictive drug that's ten times worse than regular cocaine. No, it's not. There's zero zero medical evidence to show that it just it just became. Uh, the problem is it you know it went from being easier, afford, cheaper, yeah, you more had to popular. afford it, you had to afford it. So there <laughs> right, were barriers right. to entry, and now it's right. just now it's ten dollars instead of a hundred dollars sure. for that. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. well, now you just opened but up a marketplace. But it's easy to so, believe, Brian. But, but with everything, there, there was another one. Sure. The, uh, uh, the the one from like the eighties about this apparent like flight attendant, this uh, this uh, male, he was gay and he was like, knew he had HIV and was going around the world and country spreading it to all these people. And you're like, it became something people thought was true. And it's like that, that once again, someone was like, hey, this is complete junk. Where the hell did this come from? And then you have stuff like cr different crime stuff is huge. I mean, you remember like yes. in the 80s and 90s, that was your time. It was like, we've got these super predator, super criminals coming out. And you're probably on the street going like, what? This yep. is the same the same jackass I've busted 37 times. Like he keeps getting busted because he's not a super predator. He's not a super criminal. So now we come up with legislation exactly. and policies. And 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 that, that's the that's the that's when it becomes dangerous, right? It goes from a story dangerous. To, to when it when it comes now we're gonna start actually we're gonna we're gonna make decisions, we're gonna make policy decisions based on this uh a uh, uh, you know a a ghost conductor in the woods carrying a carrying yep. his light. I mean, that's what where, where it gets really, really serious. And and that's why it's important and to look at because you look at different news stories that come out and automatically like when I get it and anyone's like, did you hear, did you see about this? I go, all right, one, you're super emotional about it. So think about that for a second. Yep. Maybe, maybe did that story was at the point. So you just hit you just hit physiological. Mm -hmm. So you're all amped up on the sugar high. You get and everyone's doing their friends are talking about it. So you hit you hit sociological. Yep. 
right? Yep. And then psychologically, I, that confirmation bias kicks in. You got to look at all these and other examples. And so, so that's how those things can erupt so yeah. easily. And just because of electronic communication now and social media, one, it proliferates at an exponential rate, whereas before it would take years to get some, a story that popular, months or weeks, like now it's minutes, right? Yep. And I, I think that's an important thing to remember when all of these stories, it's like, Dude, I'm reading like a news article. I'm like, this is a junk story. Like, this is like a you're you're what the hell is, are they talking about? And so, anything that has to play to your emotion that that strongly. And 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 they're stories. So if it's a story, stick. stories yes. are sticky. They're fun. But that's that's why it's a great way of teaching. Yeah, well, it's a great way of teaching because we do the memory emotion link, and they exactly. might as well explain that. Actually, you know what? That's a good point because you brought up some of the physiology, psychology, and sociology behind it. But but you know a memory emotion link or, or an emotional memory link because you referenced it earlier when you talked about going to that area that you were scared before and your palms are sweaty and that's the door and now your brain's getting this fear response. Um, what what is that when we talk about that? Because a lot of different news articles or or urban legends or stories I see on TV they they hit and they make us recall. Uh, either past experiences or information we knew. So can you explain what that is? Because you kind of already talked about it a little bit. Yeah, I sure can. And so let's go back to Brian that thinks I'm a dinosaur. Dude, I was a card-carrying member of the team up until 2013, December, when I finally turned in my badge. He was a cop back in the 60s and 70s. No, I said 90s. I said 90s. I know, I know I but that's, that's not even far enough. No, no, but, but I mean, like, you, were, so, you, were, you were on the ground when those things were happening. It was relevant. Yeah. Listen, I'm, I'm a unique little snowflake. You got You are. Me. With kid gloves. So one one quick thing. Brian, I've never bought a new car, but I know people that have. Yeah. And there's a thing called buyer remorse. Yeah. Buyer remorse is that you just bought this car that was so unique and you pull it off the lot and fill in the rest. When you pull it off the lot, what do you see? You see nothing but those cars. Yes, those cars. Yeah. Okay. Of course. Yeah. But you know that's not true. Yeah. What yeah, happens right. is it's, you're more attuned. You're more aware of that brand and type of car because yeah. you spent so much time thinking about it and feeling yeah. about it and doing all those other stuff. Well, that then becomes the catalyst for you looking for those. So I'll give our readers and viewers some homework. Look for a cat while you're driving around, driving to work, yeah. driving away from work. While you're paying attention, look for a cat. Once you find one feral cat, you'll you're find others. All the feral cats, yeah. right? So, so now that's one channel. That's another ice cream or ice cube tray. Play with that. It's fun. Uh, the, and it'll increase your awareness. You'll be more acutely aware and not hit the car in front of you. Uh, second part, memory and emotion link. The type, of, like, for example, I want to think of my guidance counselor in high school. I wasn't there very often, but I know they assigned <laughs> me one. Because of my name, W, Williams, I had a guy. So, yeah. I remember it was a guy, yeah. and I remember kind of where it was in East Detroit High School. Do you <laughs> get what I'm trying to say? And I kind of remember that it was on the first floor. But I couldn't, if you had a gun in my mouth, I could not mumble <laughs> this guy's name to tell you because he was meaningless to me. But what he did say is neutral gets you nowhere. He stopped me in the hallway once and he goes, Greg, you're just spinning in all these directions. You're going to burn out, son. Neutral gets you nowhere. So that neutral, you know, instead of being in drive and being focused and yeah. just spreading the, you know, the energy, uh, uh, you know, to do that, uh, what did the, the neutral slam and spin the tires? Spin it, right? yeah. I was, the I was doing that drop. in my life yeah. in the hallways, yeah. right? So, so. Uh, I was one. still in I was still in reverse at that point in my life. <laughs> You're still looking for the exit to that mountain. Where is that lover's lane? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> On your little scooter. Did you have a Vespa? So the idea was that that this guy said something that has stuck with me, Brian, for yeah. 50 years. Okay. But I couldn't pick up his face or tell you his name 
or tell you any other indices about him. Why? Because there was an emotion that washed through my body when he said that. And I stopped and I go, wow, I'm, I'm really high in the douchebag scale right now. Yeah. What am I doing? Okay. So when the brain's chemistry glams onto something through fear, through love, through uh, anticipation, do you get what I'm trying to say? Like, like, for example, uh, I remember the, the, I'd never gone to a school dance, but in Cantner, we went from uh, Pleasant View Elementary to Cantner Elementary because of busing in Detroit, things that, that you had no control over as a little kid. That's how old I am. And before I went to the junior high school, Grant Junior High School, they had a dance at Cantner. Uh, worst place for a dance is when you're in sixth grade. Because yeah. you, you, you know, accidentally found your penis in this yeah. hour, uh, <laughs> yeah. male or female. I'm, I'm not trying to make anything right. And uh, you're like, not sure exactly what the plumbing's for, but you know, you spend a lot of time holding it. And then all of a sudden you're in this environment and all, did it, did anybody else notice it really just got hot in the gym? <laughs> And yeah. you see that girl walk by and she's got no shape whatsoever, but you've been thinking about her since fourth grade and you're in love and you're, you know, all those emotions, Brian. So I can tell you some of the people from that Cantner dance in the class. And, uh, yeah. uh I, I can tell you, uh, how I felt and that my mouth was dry. Yeah, you can tell the really taste of the punch can, and what they had yeah, for snacks okay. out there. You can remember those things. Yeah. So, so if the memory now. Remember that your memory is a fickle poor yep. because what your memory has done over the time is every time you've reinvented that and brought that out, you know, or, or revisited, I should say, and brought that memory out and you walked it around, you now something, added stuff from today. Something changes, okay? right. And you fixed a little bit of it because you don't want to be that embarrassing ass that nobody asked to dance. So now that cute girl actually went by and uh, said, would I, you said hair lip and the next thing you know, you're dancing. So that the, idea is that whether the memory is accurate or not, hence the urban legend, you will believe it. And, and so those folks, Brian, in, in the Kentucky farm that I sent you about that thought that they were the ones that were fighting off the UFO invasion to this day, the granddaughter was telling the story at the local museum right. where that Kentucky town fought off the UFOs. You know, you can't fight it, buddy. No. And that, and that's, that's a great, your, your dance you know, middle school dance story is a perfect example of a memory emotion link is yep. that when the more emotion you tie to that event, when you're in it, yep. I don't care if like, you know, it's like, you know, you, you watch a, you know, a funny movie once and you remember every line, like where you start, you know, re saying those lines for years afterwards. Why? Because all of yep. that, you can re recall that line. Now it's going to get a little off. It's going to yep. change a little bit. You know, you might, might mess it up just a little bit, but you can still remember a lot of that, you know, based and you can't remember anything from a conversation you had an hour before that. But the idea is because of that, all of those emotions involved with during that event, where in that case, you're laughing, you're getting the dopamine, maybe you're there on a date, all of this stuff is happening. It's exciting. So it basically just kind of, it helps encapsulate and insulate sort of that, that memory so you can recall it better. But you also brought up that great point from that dance. Now, if you try to start writing out the details, you could probably write maybe the layout of that gym yep. and maybe yep. where the, the band was set up and where the food was set up. But you're not like you, you can say, oh, remember, I ate this and I drank this. Well, all of that might be completely wrong. Like, it, you know, they and weren't. When you go back there. and you go, it's so much smaller. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You're so, like, oh, it's this big gym. And we had this. And you walk back in there like, Jesus, this is tiny. How did we fit a whole bunch of group of people in here? And all I mean, those names and those caricatures that you created yep. were people you met along the way, Brian. Yeah. They're just people that you met along the way. So let me throw this at you because it's funny. It just popped into my head and you'll be able to say how true this is. Uh, first of all, folks, you know that uh, we lost a dear friend, uh, Ray Kay. Uh, Ray Kurzik, yeah. uh, our, our advisory board member, died 
Uh, so shout out for him. Uh, his good friend, Timmy Ware, uh, uh, is on our advisor board as well. Uh, Timmy Ware, Ware, former uh, San Diego Charger NFL guy, loving the depth. So Ware hires us, uh, Brian and I, to go out and do a caper in, in San Diego. And uh, while we were at the caper in San Diego, we we're speaking to courts and corrections and schools. Yeah, a whole bunch Brian, of folks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, talk about Grant Junior High School before I went to East Detroit High School. Remember, we had no choice in this, folks. Busing, you know, moved Detroit around all over the place. And you went where they said you went. You came up with a lottery and you went. And we were talking in the first break, Brian, that female came up from courts or corrections or a supervisor from somewhere. And she goes, you went to Grant Junior High School? And I go, oh, yeah. That's right. And she said, what was your name? And I go, I was Greg Williams. What was your name? And we knew each other. And if you recall I, for that, yeah. what are the chances? And Holy so crap, uh, I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah remember? Yeah. So folks Shouldn't she bring in like the yearbook or yeah. something too? She brought, she brought in, in the yearbook yeah. and showed where we were. And so I immediately went back to that moment and said, I must've been Rico Suave. I was so cool. She remembered <laughs> me in my uh, uh, bell bottoms and my yeah. elevated earth shoes and all yeah. this other stuff. And do you remember what she said afterwards? She goes, no, I remember you because you were so loud. That was the greatest <laughs> thing. So here she remembered me to the point that she tells Brian about it and shows him the photo of Grant Junior High School. But yeah. I was loud. It was yeah. large. You know, I, I can't. I, I can't. I forgot about that. Yeah, that was pretty insane. Yeah, that you guys were in the same same area. Yeah. What that's... are the chances? Right, and here right. we were in a in a school gym in San Diego. You know. So Brian, our memory is fickle, and and uh, uh, we want chemistry wise. Okay. We want to believe. We that, want to that, feel good. And and we we say that one all the time when we talk about different types of. I mean, we even talked about the cryptozoology once on that one podcast and and how that stuff works. But this is where you know yep. we're, I'm we're using the term urban legends in here. But go ahead and apply that to any story you've ever heard or read or seen or watched or, or whatever. Or, and accidentally or made it up on your own. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what's yeah. the worst, what's the worst thing about a story, Brian? Yeah, yeah. Well, nothing ruins a story like another witness is what it is. But, but, but it's like that's a you know, no, no, nothing ruins a good war story like another witness. Um, but, but I I think that's important. Remember, because we tie it directly to brain chemistry, and and you know, everyone wants to come in and say, well, you, you know, you can't be biased, and you have these different implicit biases, and we need to get rid of those, and you know, or there's this other belief methodology we want you to take where you you're not going to get emotional over things like dude, get the fuck Stop. out of here with their shit Stop. Like, that doesn't work well like that's not how it works this is how we're exactly. wired but but so that's i'm important. fat but, so i'm just going to think overnight in my dream that i'm not fat and tomorrow so, i'll be spelt so so that's the the, the point is is that yeah. like you can't get around it but you you can be aware of it right and go yeah. okay and literally write it out we you know i mean we yellow pad everything yellow like, pad on, it. is this yeah, starting and, to hit any of the buckets because, that we're talking about because, because that, you have to you the, have to it's that's the way you get a, a, a um you know that's unbiased. You, like, so yeah as close to unbiased scientific. opinion as you can you yeah. still have other influencing factors you know yeah. of, of you getting what, what, what you're getting at but that's the whole point is you just take that step back and write out what that is and hey we we gave you a whole bunch of buckets here that's the important thing to remember because you're never going to get around that like you you, you can't, can't. You, take, you can't take some training that gets rid of your biases that is completely unscientific you can help take away junk. some anxiety Okay, you you yeah. can make yourself feel better so you sleep uh, longer, which is going to make you feel better. Yes. But the biases that your brain has created 
are are uh, uh, hardwired and softwired, Brian. And then right. chemistry activates them and deactivates them, and they change over time. So you're not going to tell me that an act, axon and a dendrite are going to change just because you you know say today I feel good, I feel great. You know the 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 what is that one with Bill Murray? Uh, you know the the plan Baby Steps. You know where? Oh, where what about Bob? The, oh my God, Bob. what a great film! <laughs> uh, so over time, of course, those help uh, placate or or, or uh, deaden or loosen some of those emotions, but it. It's just not enough to come in and say, well, you know, you have this bias you don't know about, but we're going to fix it because we're going to talk about it. Stop <laughs> yeah. for a minute. They're, yeah. they're great caper uh, uh, for homework. And uh, of course, uh, because I'm me, I don't remember, but I think it's Ukraine uh, uh, or former Soviet Union or whatever. And there's this case from the 50s that everybody, every scientist has covered. If you've watched the TV show or listened to a radio broadcast, you've heard it. These kids go up and it's a study group from a local college or whatever, and they go up to find a Bigfoot. Now, remember, if you're looking for something, you're going to find it one way or the other because your brain is going to create the situation. They don't come down, so they send some people up and all the tents are taken apart and and uh, down the hill. And the people have, uh, some of them have their heads ripped open and some of them are missing limbs and everything else. Now, here's the thing. You take a look at that on your own. And then take a look at the area and look at the geological charts for the area. And what you'll find out is it was an avalanche. The one thing about being a yeah. copper in a bunch of different venues, especially out, out in a place like Colorado, Brian, uh, is I, I've actually seen what it looks like when a person gets eaten and digested by a bear. Uh, same thing with the cougar, what the cougar attack looks like on a car and a human. And one of the things that uh, I've seen too many times for my own good is death from avalanche. And it's never fun. And Brian, snow is like concrete that's moving and it's scraping and yeah. ripping and moving yeah, things. You get what yeah. I'm saying? And so these bodies, clearly, the very first time they even showed the black and white photos of the recovered bodies, it was clear two things happened. Number one, there was an avalanche. That's what killed the folks and scattered the bodies in that manner. Number two, guess what came in uh, after the bodies started thawing? You got coyotes and bears and everything else that mauled on uh, a couple of them. You get what I'm saying before the search crew got there. The most logical answer is an avalanche. Since 1950, there have been groups every single year, sometimes many in the same year, to come back and say it was a Bigfoot attack. Big Bigfoot was pissed. And a family of Bigfoot ate these kids. And, you know, uh, uh, that that's now the answer. There's books, Brian. There's 10 or 11 books that have been written about the incident and hundreds of TV shows. Well, that's my, City, my, my favorite response is, well, you can't prove that that didn't happen. Like, no. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. And right you can. now, somewhere, <laughs> wait a minute, somewhere in the Ukraine, there's a Bigfoot family <laughs> huddled in front of their computer listening to us going, it did happen. It did happen. You <laughs> bastards, right? We're, we're now no longer allowed in that country no but that that's come on is uh when you say oh we can't prove it didn't happen yeah you can't the, the complete there, lack of sure evidence can. for something is called you can prove a negative right exactly. you can prove that it doesn't exist if there's it's no, harder to prove a, i'll give you well, that yeah look just saying well you can't prove that didn't happen is the worst that's uh that's not an argument by the way and, and you can and by the, the way that's the, the, the lack first of class the, they teach you as a defense attorney right yeah, you know right. yeah. no it didn't yes it, it did. did no it didn't yes it did you can't prove it. It so so one of the things that's important too because we 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 talked about it without speaking about it directly is when we talk about the sociological reasons yeah. why some of these things happen and and with stories and storytelling is the, I mean, we've oldest, learned the, the absolute the, oldest human 
transfer of knowledge. Yes. Yes. So that's how everything occurred is you had to tell stories to around the campfire to warn of the, the woolly mammoth and the other predators that were out there. And these, I'd put on the hat, you'd grab the broom handle and we would act out where the hunting ground is and how we killed it. And those are, those are, and those are lessons. That's the point behind those is those are lessons that those previous generations had learned the hard way that, man, we can't do it that way. Or, Hey, that predator, we actually can't, we haven't figured out how to kill yet. So we need to stay away from it. Hey, those berries you can eat these ones you cannot eat so all that had to be learned the hard way and they have to tell those stories because there wasn't written language and and this is this even goes around with spoken language is still really being developed too there were still those stories being told acted out just like you said around that campfire to demonstrate this is what you need to worry and so here's the thing if it's really really important Who's ever tried to teach something to a kid? You know whether they're going to pay attention. It's, it can be exactly. difficult, right? So you have to can't you have to get their attention. So sometimes exactly. sensationalizing that story will help garner their attention. No, you're exactly more. right, Brian. And and now if I let my own things now, I just don't want them for my ideological reasons. Well, now I'm going to make up stories and say, oh, well, you can't do that because of this happened, and and that's where they come from. But the, that's why we are so wired. That's why it's so difficult to 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 not. You're to, to be critical about some of these things, right? To yeah, take exactly a look at that, right. that that urban legend or that eyewitness statement and say, hey, maybe that didn't quite happen. We do want to believe because it's in our best interest for the purposes of our survival and the survival of our species our, to, our to team, believe that. Our club, our it, sect, it, but, exactly. But it, but, it, but it really is. I mean, that that's so, so powerful, which is why you know you can't bash it when it does happen. You can't say, well this is misinformation or that's fake. It's like, well, look, these things happen for there's, there's scientific reasons why we buy yep. into these stories. Like that it, it's going to, you. so you have to get better yourself at knowing w- what's likely going on here. What's the most likely, what's the most dangerous. Is this, is this, is am I just biting into something here that tastes really good? And someone's trying to get me to think a certain way, or is this something that I, that I really need to, to pay attention to? And that's yep. where we break it down scientifically and say, Hey, look, this is how your decision-making is affected. This is how your beliefs are affected. This is how you get roped into these different things. And, and it's very, very easy to do because you're set up to, it's what you're, you're designed to do. You're designed exactly. to believe that stuff. I think exactly. that's like, so. This is- one, one, folks, Brian, again, hit on something that's amazing. Uh, go through your history. You know that uh, uh, Brian and Shelly and I and, and uh, uh, Martin and all the, the team, we also share a, a, a relationship because we're all in martial arts at various times in our lives and have received various yeah. degrees in various uh, uh, martial arts. And one of the things is if you take a look at a kata, K-A-T-A, mm-hmm. uh, take a look at it. It's a series of ritualized moves that you teach a person to remember each one of the steps in a thing. Why? Because one, it was passed down secretly uh, because if the, the government knew that you were doing it, they would crack down on it. That's why a nunchuck, a nunchaku had to be a rice flail, you know, so yeah. you could hide the training in it. But the idea was that there wasn't written and there wasn't a lot of people that had a high degree of uh, college or high school intellect. So you had to break it down uh, Barney style for those people in the audience, which is exactly what Brian is talking about. When you go to your kid, you want your kid to understand a gimbal, aerodynamic gravity. Uh, uh, inertia, uh, centripetal and centripetal force. What am I talking about? Riding a bike. And you're saying, no, the tricycle, we're moving up to the bicycle and they're going nowhere. And it's a leap of faith as much as it is science, Brian. So it's okay in that instance. And I would caution you that if somebody from Ukraine is listening, because I know we got North Macedonia, I know we got Japan, I know we got New Zealand and Australia, we got a couple of people in Georgia that finally woke up this morning and figured out how to turn on a computer. Uh, But those folks in Ukraine, okay, 
if you want to bring me to that place where in the fifties, those people died because I know it's a big money maker. Now they take a, you know, a horse drawn wagon out there and they set up your camp and you hear tree knocks and howls and you get shit faced and you get scared. Okay. I'd love to do that. Brian. <laughs> It'd be fun. To me, I'd, I'd look, I'd pay for the trip if I had the money folks. Uh, but if you count me this day, I'll be there and tomorrow and talk about it on our next broadcast. It's okay to enjoy Halloween. Yes. It's okay to be scared at a haunted house. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying I'm against it, but I'm saying at the end of the day, I'm not buying into it. You get what I'm saying? Uh, uh, I, I know that there's a science behind it or a math or a logic, and that makes me feel good. Yeah. And, and to, to, uh, that that's a good way to kind of, kind of wrap up what, what happens with those stories. And that's yeah. why fairy tales, that's why, I mean, why do there's, you know, I, I don't know how many stories or articles or books or, you know, different publishing sites are created on a daily basis now in 2021, but it's only increased exponentially since, you know, written language has been around. Well, why? Because it speaks to us. It speaks exactly. to everything, our whole existence and who we are like those stories. Cause it's a lot of them are the same. There's, there's archetypes in these stories, right? There's, there's typical characters you see across the board and all of them and all of them. And, and so why, because there's only, there's only so many different types of people out there. There's a finite number as unique as we think we each are. We kind of all fall into these different buckets. And that's why those stories can be retold and repackaged yes. and redone. And, and all I got to do is, okay, instead of this, it's going to go left this time. And then the guy's going to take a right. And that's going to open up a whole new thing. But but e- even though that whole new adventure, it's, you know, Indiana Jones is the same movie every single time, right? It's it just is. Pro- and it's prototypically in, the same. And, and I watch every one of them. China. There's yeah. versions in India. But listen, that's why I want you to leave my effing Mr. Potato Head alone, because now it's just Potato Head. That's why I want you to leave Dr. Zeus alone. Listen, you think that you're the intellectual elite and all yeah. you are is intellectual bullies because kids well, there's that too. just fine with yeah. uh, with metal roller skates. And I, you know what? Shelly and I have a common memory. Uh, both of us had a shoelace with our roller skate key around our neck. My oh, house, wow, that's, yeah. my roller skate key were on there. Mm. And people, if you know who I'm talking about, you know what it is. You know how big it was. You know, it was metal. You know, it had that little hexagonal thing on the end. Brian, it's okay to have those memories. And right now, what we want to do is put a pillow on the ass of the next generation and say, well, this is more important than that. If you want something that's more important than something else, take your kid's computer or their Game Boy or whatever the hell that they're looking at right now and put it away for a month, okay? Take their phone away and put it away for a week and give them a flipping potato and say, carve, bitch, because what's going to happen is they'll come up with a Mr. Potato Head, a Mrs. Potato Head, the luggage, the family, the hats, and Brian, they'll have a ball. There's no app for that. They'll have a ball. We've gone too far. And, and what's the thing to embrace about urban legend is storytelling. Yeah. And how amazing and wonderful storytelling is. And when your kids are sitting on the ground and they're playing with two sticks and having a little family thing, that's the most important time. Sit down next to them, grab a stick and play. I, I truly believe that. No, that, I, that's, uh, I, I think that's say, say, sage advice. Uh, you know, I try to try to do that all the time with the with the insurgent. Um, I just for, I forget that how fast she learns sometimes, right. and and I also forget sometimes what I'm teaching her, and I have to go back and go. Wait a minute, hang on. Hey, that's just something for in the house that we right, that, talk to each other. Stiletto drill, <laughs> that, that knife drill. Don't don't do that. Don't do that with any of your friends. Silence I a century. Teach you all, you know? I teach you how to co-op people into getting more treats from mommy. I was like, no, nah, this is how you got to do it. Then I'm going like, oh Jesus, I can't teach her this skill set. This is horrible. What am I doing? It's okay. So, it's okay. So, Kids are resilient. Kids are going to learn. Well, they they absolutely are, and 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 
that they're mostly from guess what their environment so um uh, it plays a major factor but um no, no, I, I think this is kind of, we, we hit a whole bunch of different points that I sure. think are really important and some buckets and some, some kind of ways to, you know, how do I clarify? How do I make the, the you know, get the, it's a, there's a lot of turbidity, I guess, in some of this, you know, and, and so if I can help classify these things into different areas, like we talk about psychological, sociological, yep. physiological, how they affect me. And is this story or whatever that I'm reading or listening to, if it's starting to evoke a lot of those emotions, then maybe it's just high on the emotional scale and low yes. on the low on the uh, uh, fact scale, low on the actual details, right? Because you know that, I mean, when you, especially anyone listening has read, you know, technical reports and things like that, like it's dry and it's boring. Why? Because it's supposed to be. Sorry, yep. like you have to prove every word you say in there. So guess what? It's going to be yep. super boring and referenced and footnotes and this. Um, but a great story about something that happened. You don't need any of that stuff. So, yep. uh, so you said turbidity just for our listeners and our viewers and our readers. Uh, excellent word. Uh, uh, the idea is what Brian's talking about is dissonance. So cognitive yep. dissonance is right. essential because the mirage is just a mirage. But once you learn the science behind it, you won't get fooled by it. So dissonance is a learning function as well. Uh, uh, so so having that that uh, turbidity, as long as it's not legal or moral turbidity, do you get what I'm saying? As, as long as it's not ethical turbidity, like like you're advancing the, the tiny insurgents uh, training yeah. uh, to a level where she's already a teenager or a young adult, mm -hmm. uh, uh, but you're not sitting there teaching her that the, the uh, red wagon in the yard is a dog. You know what right, I'm right. That the car that went by is a banana. So she's just effed up like a football bat when she grows up. You I usually do, I only do that with other people's kids. Yeah. I do that, that with There's my nothing friends. wrong with that. I think that's, I think that's incumbent upon you as a father. <laughs> I do that with, that's with my buddy's one. friends. <laughs> just to, yep. just to see, see what that's going to, let's teach you a new word that doesn't yep. make sense and see if you use it later with your parents. Isn't so, that wonderful? <laughs> um, all right. I think that we, we, kind of hit on a lot with the with the urban legends yeah. and and how it, it really really plays to our reward system our brain chemistry and we really want to believe and we want to buy into that stuff and 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 that's that's okay that what that's what makes us human all right so so you're going to buy into that stuff but and 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 you you should for the especially for the purposes of entertainment right i want to buy yes, into at a least, movie at you know least. what i mean well, the same thing. Like, I don't sit there and watch a movie and go, well, that's not how it really works. And let me people well, do like, yeah, but like, that's, <laughs> right? that's the point. Well, then, then get it. Then you're not having fun. I mean, yeah. don't just enjoy it. Suspend exactly. disbelief. But if you're going to suspend it's, disbelief, it's, it's called the clicker. No, well, that's the thing. If you're yeah. going to suspend disbelief, know when you're suspending disbelief. Of course. Know of when course. you're doing that. Right. So, so I don't, I don't know. Um, I, I think we, we kind of covered a lot, but gave, gave some decent examples. Well, here, here's a, I don't know. I, I thought it was good. Yeah. We both thought it was great. And so did our two viewers. Okay. Uh, so my, my thing is this, uh, uh, the first word is starts with an F and ends with I N G and there's a C and a K in it. But if you say that word first and then add Newman at the end of it, our good friend, RP, you know, Gunny of Arabia. Okay. He can print a comic and say, what do you think? And get. 1.1 million views on LinkedIn. We, we do this breakdown of Urban's Legends. We spend an hour together and four people, two of which are you and it's, I. You get what I'm saying? We'll comment and go, great episode. Uh, yeah. So, All right. All right. On that note, I think we'll, we'll wrap for today. 
Um, thank you everyone for tuning in. Don't forget, give us some, some likes and some shares. If you enjoyed it, please share it with your friends. We're going to have more coming up, obviously, uh, follow us on social media. I'm always dropping stuff on, on Instagram, especially too. Um, it seems to be doing well. People like it. So, uh, you can find out a little bit more about some of the science behind this. I kind of dropped some little nuggets on there, as Greg would say, uh, every once in a while with, with plenty of examples. So please stay tuned, stay in touch and like it, share it. And don't forget that training changes behavior. Thanks for tuning in, folks. If you would like some more information about what we talked about today, you can head to the Left of Greg Patreon site where we've added some more information about what we discussed, as well as some examples of how you can practically apply some of the lessons learned. Please remember to tell your friends about the show and follow us on Facebook at HBPRA. Thanks again and be safe.